0: Chapter 21. James did not feel like waiting for Chimera to attack. It was time to see if Laurie was right. "'Okay,' he said with a sigh. "'You win. I'll give you the Stone of Brighthelm.' He reached into his rucksack, not for the girdle picks inside the waterproof bag, but for something else. "'Here you are,' he said, as calmly as he could.' He pulled out a water bomb filled with a mixture of Tabasco and water. He tossed it underhand toward the nasty fox. She tracked it through the air, and as it fell, she snapped it up in her powerful jaws. Ah! <coughs> she cried as the hot Mexican sauce burst from the water bomb and filled her mouth. The fox clan's leader howled and spat and jumped as if she'd been struck by lightning." The other foxes weren't sure what to make of it, and then the two foxes nearest Chimera's rising form each took Tabasco arrows to the heads and howled too. Laurie and Roscoe bumped fists and grabbed two new arrows. Half the foxes started backing away, but the other half attacked, running fast at the Green Hands gang. Spencer kept most of them back, stepping in front and swinging the tennis balls fast. Queenie used her brother as a shield, crouching low and firing Tabasco-tipped darts between his legs. Then Max started the huge nerf gun up and sprayed the closest foxes with darts. Thirty furious seconds later and the ground was a glistening orange with peppery sauce. Every dart, arrow and water bomb was spent, and almost all the foxes were either writhing with agony or had fled. The gang weren't out of trouble yet, however. A few cunning foxes had stayed back, away from the carnage, and now that the ammunition was depleted, they were ready to attack. They would avenge their injured leader and take the stone from the children. "'What now?' Jenny said. "'I don't know,' James replied. "'Anyone got any Tabasco left?' Everyone shook their heads. Even the tennis balls from Spencer's bowler were gone slingshotted into the night. The foxes got slowly closer. They had spread out to stop anyone from escaping. Perhaps we can barricade ourselves in the greenhouse, Spencer said. It wasn't a bad idea, but they didn't get the chance to do it. There was a rustling sound from the side of the greenhouse, and a bush-like creature appeared. It was part branch and part mud, and it shouted, yee as it threw a Tabasco bomb at the closest fox. "'Wilf!' Laurie said. The last three foxes were petrified and darted into the woods. Wilf threw another water bomb at them as they went. Every fox in Chimera's clan had either crawled off howling or run away in terror. Even Chimera herself had managed to limp away during the battle. "'What happened to you?' Queenie asked. "'Oh!' said Wilf. "'extracting himself from the tangle of branches. "'I climbed a tree to get a better view. "'Then I remembered how to create the perfect camouflage outfit. "'Just smear mud on any skin and cover yourself in bits of tree.' "'Genius,' Roscoe and Lorry said at the same time. "'Then they fist-bumped. "'Ridiculous,' Queenie said. "'It worked, didn't it?' Wilf said with a smile. "'After they had congratulated themselves on a job well done,' "'James got them moving. "'As much as they hate the hot sauce,' he said, "'we shouldn't stay here. "'Once they wash it off, they might be back.' "'They walked back along the path to the car. "'When they rounded the first greenhouse, "'they came face to face with a large group of cats, "'led by the two Persian cats. "'We brought reinforcements,' the grey Persian cat said. "'Well, well, well,' a familiar voice said. "'if it isn't Mistress Claudia's human friends!' "'A well-groomed white cat with a diamond collar catwalked out of the group. "'Empress,' James said, "'we could have used your help against the fox rovers.' "'You seem to have done well without us,' the cat said. "'She sniffed the air. "'But that wretched liquid won't hold them off for ever. "'Let's see if there's any foxes left for us to punish.' The empress sauntered slowly past and the local cats behind her dispersed into the woods, leaving the two Persian cats alone. Thank you, the grey cat said to James. It was mostly me, Wilf said. Well, Max helped a bit too. Hey, Max said, I fired over two hundred darts in less than ten seconds. What good is that, Wilf said with a smile, if most of them missed? Max prodded Wilf in the ribs with his nerf gun. "'Come on, you two, Spencer said. "'It's time we were home, "'and I don't know what Vicky will say "'when she sees your muddy face.' "'There was a new taxi parked next to theirs. "'The two cats and Asma got into the new car and drove off. "'The rest of the gang squeezed back into the taxi they came in, "'only this time no one wanted to sit anywhere near "'the rather muddy Wilf. "'The taxi stopped at Woodbourne Garage "'and everyone got out except for James and Jenny.' See you at the Christmas concert, Queenie called as they pulled away. The driver, who still hadn't said a word, drove back to Balfour School. James and Jenny got out and watched the taxi drive off. Not bad, Jenny said. Now all we have to worry about is getting the stone back on Henry. Yeah, James said. I'll head down to see Hegel in the morning. What time are you getting to Hove Lawns? I'm catching the bus after lunch, Jenny said. Mrs. Redfern said we need to be at the Marquee before two. They said goodbye, and James went up the stairs to Osborne Road. When he got home, he left the girdle picks in his rucksack and pulled out his notebook. The adventure was nearly over, and he wanted to make sure he'd written everything down. Now that the magpies and foxes were beaten, James felt he could think about other things, namely the puzzle sheet. After dinner... He did some research on book ciphers. Each of the cryptograms so far had contained a clue to help crack the next one. It seemed like the tenth and final cryptogram was a book cipher, which meant that he would need to find a particular book. It did not take him long to find out exactly how book ciphers worked. Every word or even letter of the original message got changed into a reference in a book. Sometimes the reference would be a page number, a line number, and a word number. James didn't have it with him, but he knew that the tenth cryptogram on the puzzle sheet consisted of a series of open brackets containing number, then number, then number, and then the close brackets. This definitely fit how book ciphers worked. Then, you would either use that referenced word, or its first letter. This way of encoding a message relied on both the sender and receiver having exactly the same book, and somehow James had to work out what that book was. There didn't seem to be many clues from the first nine cryptograms about a book. He started to think about the code-breaking exhibition at the museum and the Enigma machine that would be on display. Perhaps the book he needed to find was something to do with code-breaking in the war, or Perhaps it was something to do with the owner of the Enigma machine. Thinking about the puzzle sheet had almost made him forget how incredibly tired he was. He rubbed his eyes and called it quits. He would have plenty more time to think about the puzzles after the choir performance tomorrow. He brushed his teeth and headed for bed. He made sure that the waterproof bag with the girdle picks was not leaking, turned his light off and climbed into bed. Then he noticed that his blind was up. Hoping for a bit of a lie-in on Saturday morning, he didn't want to be woken up by the sun. So he forced himself out of bed and over to the window. He looked out at the almost full moon and rolled the blind down. When he drifted off to sleep, he pictured the view from his window of the moon outside. It was bright, the craters easily visible. And in front of the craters much closer to Earth, silhouetted against the moon, he thought of a magpie flying fast across the brightened sky.